you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, football fans. It's your old pal, Dave. Dave Damashek, what's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 94 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Sheck. S H E K. We're jumping right into it here. Rank is in a meeting. Black Tie, the producer generally behind the glass, is also too busy. And I say, what gives? I say, have we forgotten? Are we rudderless now? We must remain focused, our, uh, keep our eye on the prize, which is the big story. What's going down in the NFL at any given moment? We come to you Tuesday, the day after the Hail Mary heard the world over, the football world at least, and definitely the Twitter world if, uh, if you were on there. Um, on Monday night after the uh, the apocalypse, the uh, I've named it, you know, there was the immaculate reception 40 years ago. This is the inaccurate reception in 2012. That's clever. Laugh it up there. <laughs> laugh, there you go. It feels good to laugh. I know the man who I'm looking at who's trying to conjure a laugh is having a hard time doing so because he's a New York Jets fan. Darrell Rivas out for the season. Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez not out for the season. That's uh, the hat trick of bad news for Jets fans. <laughs> All right, let's dig into it here. We're going what? We're going thirty minutes. Why? Because the big story of the week, nay, of the NFL season. Let's uh, let's uh, let's keep it real, as they say. Let's talk about these replacement refs. What we saw on Monday night, and so on. I'm back from Seattle. I was actually at the game on Monday night. And had the worst seat, apparently, in the world for it because you don't see the replay and the place is going gaga. And therefore, you assume, well, it was a touchdown, right? And you don't, you had no idea that uh, that the world was going crazy. I didn't realize that until I got on my flight from Seattle to LAX late on Monday night. We're going to break it down right now. First of all, with the two around the league guys, our old pals. First of all, the aforementioned Jets fan, Dan Hansus. What's the poop, fella? Well, you know, life is not in a good place, but we're just going to keep moving forward. 
No, you're not. I don't think you are. Well, if, you're, if you're speaking collectively, if you're if you're if you're trying to use the royal we yeah. for the Jets, I don't think we are going anywhere. No, now well, that you don't have your best player, we're heading towards 2013. That's true. Yeah. I guess yeah. Technically, you're right about that. Yeah, time stops for no man. Right. And uh, so, and then uh, we have a Cleveland Browns fan here as well. Welcome to uh, to another around the league. Guy, our pal, Mr. Fancy Pants himself, it's Mark Sessler. How are you, sir? It's good to be with you. Yeah, it is. I, you know, by the way, I just read your stuff. Hopefully we can talk a little bit of Shady McCoy but, and uh, versus uh, O.C. the Ballerina. Oh, boy. We have a lot of great things. You know, there's the Revis story. There are a lot of one and two teams that are, uh, you know, among the teams that I think a lot of people would have picked to be legit Super Bowl contenders. But like I say, we have a half an hour. Nay, we have... 27 minutes left, so let's say hello to the next guy joining us here in Studio 66 on this big news day in NFL football from NFL Fantasy Live. You see his writing all over the place on NFL.com, breaking it down, his power rankings and so on. One of our favorites here on the show, a regular returning Elliot Harrison. What's the poop with you, fella? I appreciate you having me. You look trim. Oh, thanks. Thanks, fella. I, I mean, I, I I think I look nice. I'm ruggedly handsome, especially if you've seen this beard I got it's coming, coming in. in. You have, you nice have the, the Harrison Ford Raiders Lost Ark scruff. Is that really that's how you exactly? Would, I think that's I would, fair. That's a compliment. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's how I would put it. Solid. Can't do any better than comparing me to Solo slash Indy. But you kind of look like the dude. Uh, who's the guy that was in the show where he jumped back in time in like the late 80s, early Bacula. 90s? Yeah, Scott Bakula. Yeah, Quantum Leap. Was it really? Yeah. Was Bakula? Oh, Are you thinking yeah. of John Eric Hep? Not John Eric Hexum. There was the other one where the where with the, the guy kid. with the little kid. That was a great one. We don't have time for Hokum today. No. We're talking football. We got to. Well, now we're down to, to uh, like a measly twenty five minutes. Well, actually, TD put me in charge of tracking the time for this episode. What, you know, what kind who of is TD? Are you talking about oh, Black, Black Tie, the producer? Excuse me. Excuse yes. me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he couldn't even. T- he couldn't even bother couldn't it give us 30 minutes to talk about the big issue in nfl football 2012 this uh, this referee situation no i guess that's why if you go on the twitter you can track down the the, the twitter handle at fire black tie all right let's yap we'll see if rank joins us we'll see if handsome joins us we couldn't wait another moment to uh, to share our opinions one opinion I have to say is Seattle may be, I think I am going to, in fact, say definitely the finest football stadium I've ever been in in my life. What a beautiful place really? that is. And Seattle, as advertised, a remarkable city. I took my Saturday night after watching the Steelers lose. Does that mean all of our teams lost this weekend? The, the Jets, Browns. My team won. They lost Revis, but won. Oh, the yeah, game. they win. Yeah. yeah, what am I thinking about? And uh, and uh, so, yeah, I went out on Saturday night after the Steelers' embarrassing loss in Oakland. I hit the streets. I, I took a cab on Saturday night to the Belltown area of Seattle. I, had a, uh, I went to three bars all in walking distance. I had a drink in each one. Then I went to a restaurant and had a, a, a delicious meal. So Seattle's food lived up to it. Enough about the food in Seattle. Let's talk about the game. And look who it is as he comes in, right, right ready to go. He doesn't need the appetizer that we all did, the aural appetizer that uh, the listener just enjoyed. He's ready to jump right to the main course. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fellow? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Appreciate sure, we couldn't it. wait. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I understand. You know, it's a big week of football, and it seems gl- there's no black tie. Is this, I know. Is the uh, is the uh, curtain pulled back? Do people know? We're tieless today. This we're, is we're business <laughs> casual, I suppose. Is this what is that our makes. this is our dream show. <laughs> Let's get to the referee situation and. 
Uh, the first thing, or first order of business, like many people have said, yes, it was a terrible call. Um, and uh, but let's keep in mind that the real referees are have were never infallible until this happened. Everybody always thought, though, the referees are screwy and so on and so forth. But now all of a sudden they they have been deified as a result of what we've seen in in their uh, in their stead. Rank, how say you? Are we allowed to bring up Ed Hockley and the play against the Chargers in Mile High? I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. It was 2008. I mean, Ed Hockley was out there emailing people. Every Chargers fan that emailed him at his law office, Ed Hockley spent and took the time to send him a note like, you know what? I did make a mistake. Tuck rule and so on. There have been plenty of uh, plays that have gone the wrong way. But the thing that would happen if Ed Hockley would have been in that situation, it seemed that one guy who had the strongest personality went up and was able to say, you know what? Touchdown. Because... You need that leader who's going to pull them all aside and say, look, let's talk it out. What did you see? What did you see? Let's make sure we get this right. They would have probably have taken five minutes to look that over and say, okay, you know, let's go through this. And then they would have came to a conclusion. Well, probably would have been no catch. One thing, I, one thing, the the a remark I've heard over and over again over the last 24 hours is, well, it finally happened. These replacement referees cost the team a game. And my comment back to that is, didn't we already see that on Sunday night? That field goal was no good. I mean, the the Ravens' kick went over the upright. It didn't is, go. It didn't go the rule, inside though. the upright. That's, that's the rule. You just have to go over the upright. That's a good kick. It would have hit the upright. Well, listen, Adam Carolla has advanced the the idea of extending those goalposts. Right. And, and ironic <laughs> that it happened in Baltimore because of the Tom Maddy play, which. The current height of the field goal, ah. goal of the goalpost is because Tom Matty, yeah, the, the kick against the Packers, right. they lost the Colts. It was the Baltimore Colts, though. Baltimore Colts lost that, and they said, "Oh, if there would have been an extended uh, upright." Look at uh, look who's bringing in some knowledge. Yeah, and when the I deep watch, pass. I well, see that's what I call helping, not hurting. Right? With Sessler in here, it's interesting. When I saw the kick, I tweeted out, "Anyone remember Rich Carlos?" Because the drive, the OT. Quote, game winner. Sure looked like it was a miss. Also, the Carlos kick went over the goalpost for Denver. No, it was definitely chatter about that after that game. I, of course, don't agree with the call on any level with the Carlos kick. EH, it's funny, Elliot, you bring that kick up. It is the one I always point to. In fact, I was on uh, Corolla's podcast a week ago, and he was talking, as he often does when football is the subject, "Ah, why don't they extend those goalposts up a little bit? And I I had them pull up that very highlight to show the Rich Carlos, what I think is a miss at worst. I mean, at best for the Broncos, it hits the upright. It it certainly is not a good kick there if that thing extends up into the sky. What's your takeaway from what we saw there on Monday night there? Hand Zeus. Well, it's funny that you brought up Corolla because I feel like I've heard him say that in various uh, media formats uh, several times. So it's the first thing several I thought. Several hundred? Several hundred times. Yeah, you're probably correct. Maybe a thousand. But it's true. It's, you know, what's stopping them from doing that? I don't know. But uh, it was a, the kick was good. It, it was just funny watching Belichick pull another one of his, you know, jerk moves, which was, you know, running down that ref, grabbing at his arm. It made me think of the Super Bowl when he stormed off the field after Eli beat him the first time. I got to tell you, I disagree with the, anybody who's criticizing Belichick. That's the last official on the field. He's just trying to get the, get to him and say, hey, review that play. It's the last play of the game. <laughs> By what standard are you guys just leaving the field? This is this is loco. He was just trying to stop the guy. The guy's in, oh, in well, full man. jog. Didn't yes. Cower do yeah. that in the 90s? Didn't he try to shove a piece of he paper? He got in trouble and, for that, too. Yeah. yeah, he shoved, he shoved, he, 
he showed that uh, the Lions, I think, had 12 men oh, on the right. field, and so he had That's the like snapshot and, and stuffed it in. Yes, that was the first game, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first game of the season that uh, resulted in the Steelers and Cowboys playing and that, Super Bowl Wasn't that 30. the game that Woodson tore his Woodson, knee on the yep, turf, right? Out in, yeah. out in space. Was that against, against the Lions? Against yep. Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Barry Sanders uh, juked them, but good, and Rod Woodson went down in a heap. I love the ref barreling away from Belichick. Yeah, nothing to do with it. Takes off into the distance. Yeah, the idea that these replacement refs are scared of uh, the officials was sort of debunked there. That guy was just like, "Oh, it's Belichick. Yeah, whatever, bum. Get out of here. Game's (laughs) over." What about Wilfrick just freaking out in the end zone on those guys? He had his helmet off and he was going nuts. I'm like, those guys just stood it up. Is his angle any worse than the official? I mean, he's basically on the uh, has the exact same perspective. He can see it. No, they're underneath it. They're looking straight up. They're seeing the ball go over it. Okay, yeah, it went over the goalpost. That's good. Wilferk's out on the field somewhere. Not too far. I mean, he's basically at the goal line when that ball goes up there. And this is my my least favorite thing about both Sunday, but especially, obviously, Monday night, was Twitter, which was outrageous with people making comments. And listen, this is an ugly situation that's going on right now. But how many people did you see tweet, this is the end of the NFL? Mm-hmm. Oh, the NFL's jumped the shark. <laughs> Integrity is lost. Shut up. I Come think, uh, you know what, I will honestly say, and I am not shilling for the NFL or anything when I say this, I feel like guys like Steve Young and uh, who else is really sort Trent of— Trent Dilfer was pretty uh, harsh. Trent Dilfer standing out quite a bit. Oh, Drew Brees had his tweet from Monday night about that this is a disgrace and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, everybody, these guys that are getting up on Mount Pius, save the morbid tone for actual tragedies. It's a little bit grim here. Yeah. The game we all know and love they all went has to their... been destroyed. Like, all right, relax. It's Drew, a, they it, all... there's, there have been bad calls uh, before 2012, yes. is my right. point. And they all went into their Owen Hart voice and everybody with their dulcet tones. And Tom Brady did an interview with Jim Gray. If you listen to the radio broadcast, and he talked to Jim Gray. And obviously this isn't a canned interview because he's talking about that game against the Ravens. And, of course, he's got 18 hours away from being in that actual situation. But he's talking about, you know what, we could have made plays. I don't know. You know, the referees made the call. They're doing the best they can. That was, to me, the way to handle something like that. And can I just can I read Drew Brees' tweet? Because I nearly vomited when I read it last night when it popped up on my feed. I love this league, and I love the game of football, but tonight's debacle hurts me greatly. This is not the league we're supposed to represent. Shut up. God, he's such a phony. I agree. I feel like it is a little excessive, and as I say, I, uh, apparently he has taken out a, uh, a timeshare up on Mount Pius. EH, how do you feel about all this? I, I, I saw your tweets. I was reading your tweets from 30,000 feet in the sky late on Monday night as I made my way south on an airplane. Um, you you were none too pleased with what you saw. I'm not. I'm not. Believe me. I'm certainly not apologizing for the officials here. That was a terrible call. That maybe really is going to put a serious dent in the Packers' ability to get to the postseason now. Well, for me, it was just kind of the end of a really frustrating weekend of watching football. I mean, there was a call on Kareem Jackson against the Texans, uh, pass interference call that was ridiculous. That kept Denver hanging by a thread in a game that really Houston had control of the whole way through. And so when I saw the debacle last night, it wasn't just the last play. I mean, the, the pass interference on Sam Shields was abysmal. There was a pass interference going the other way on Cam Chancellor where he perfectly timed it. And, and I'm, I'm so tired of offenses getting a free pass. Through the first couple of weeks, penalties were down in the NFL. But pass interference calls were up. 
and I'm just so sick of the idea that you can just throw the ball up in the NFL and you might get a call. You could be a terrible quarterback. You could be a D3 quarterback with an athletic wide receiver. Why not just throw the ball up? You might get a call. So that part was frustrating. As far as the tweets, I agree with your sentiments. My The first tweet that I remember sending out was that uh, MD Jennings caught the ball, comma, Golden Tate caught MD Jennings. That's the way that I saw it, and that's the way I still see it. Well, let's talk about That's what. What well, let's see about the uh, about what I mentioned earlier. There, the Packers now they're at one and two, and they play the Saints this coming weekend. And can you imagine, as our as our pal here at the NFL, Mark Brady, pointed out, you're going to have one of two things: either the Packers are going to be one and three, or the Saints are going to be zero oh and four. First of all, what do we think happens there? I mean, the Packers are at home against that. Uh, I mean, really. Really atrocious defense for the Saints. I got to think Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, if you're a fantasy football uh, player, Aaron Rodgers is 19th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. But that's got to. I mean, listen, the cream has to rise at some point. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a yeah, big one. Yeah, but look, look at who he's played. He's played the 49ers, then the Bears, then the Seahawks. He's played three of the top five defenses. That's what I'm in saying. He's going to have weeks. a big game, right? Yeah. Something so, was up with him yesterday, though. His internal clock seemed off. He took eight sacks in the first half, and you know, I'll give credit to Seattle's pass rush, but he half held those were on ball. him. Yeah, the half were on him easy. He's got to get rid of the ball faster. Sessler, what do you think about uh, the Packers? They're at one and two. Uh, they're at one and two. There are a lot of one and two teams that uh, figured to be in contention on both sides. You know, in both conferences, you have the Lions at one and two. I'll say that that's not a surprise to me. I predicted a down year for them, and that's playing out the way I would have expected. They did nothing to fix their secondary. Now they're paying the price for that. Carolina rank you had them to win that division there at one and two there that's not looking good with uh, a a uh, depressed Cam Newton talking about how oh, no. everybody how how, how Panthers fans should be ashamed they should hang their heads yeah how about the Panthers it, themselves at least he's upset about it I would hate for him to be out there just being like that eh, you know it's a business well, like sure. anything else like he it seems like it's really affecting him so Touche. And then uh, so you have uh, you, you have the Bronx at one and two. You have the Steelers at one and two. The Patriots at one and two. Which of those teams that I just named, uh, the Panthers aside, because I don't think they're a legitimate contender, which of the teams I just named that a lot of people were high on before the season started are going to, are, are in fact doomed the rest of the way? Start with you, Sessler. I'm going to go with Detroit. I, I'm, I wasn't high on them going into the season, but I just, I'm not impressed with the makeup of this offense, I think they're kind of flying by the wheel at running back, and they can't seem to stop teams. Uh, you know, in the in the NFC, that's the team that I just I'm not impressed with. Carolina would be my second pick. I think that they're such a hype job going into this year, and I think there's a lot of growth that needs to happen from Cam Newton, but not just him. That defense is just you know you've got to be able to st- you know keep teams to under 30 points to win a division or make the playoffs. Hanzus, how say you? Oh, we're talking about one and two teams? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Mark on that because I think— All right, let's forget Detroit. We agree on Detroit. Right. Who's? I mean, the good te- the teams that are always good or almost always good, the Patriots, the Steelers, the, yeah, uh, you know, the, the Packers are one and two, like I say. Those teams, the teams that people legitimately were saying they're going to win their division, certainly. Right. It's a matter of whether or not okay. they get to the well, Super let's, Bowl. Yeah, I'll talk about your Steelers then because— um, I really do. I picked them to win the division, but they don't. They don't seem right. They beat a Jet team that might not be that good at home, and now you got uh, sandwiched around two losses. Maybe their defense really is crummy, and, and that's what it is. I know you had said earlier in the season that Paul Malu could be someone to 
watch out for in terms of decline. I mean, if he goes down a little bit and that you know James Harrison never gets back, then you know what is it impossible to think that they could finish? These are two guys that are long in the tooth. I mean, people think that the panacea is well once they get back from the bye week, but you know they're they're obviously Palomalu over the years is becoming more and more injury prone, and Harrison himself is a thirty four year old man with a bum knee. How say you, E H? Uh, I, I don't really like Atlanta. They're three and zero right really? now. Really? Wow, and that's a bold one. Everyone's very high on them. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta is a first round playoff departure again this season. Because why? Well, a couple things. Number one, some of the key parts that they are relying on are very old. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, I don't think is going to be able to produce like this in December, January. John Abraham's probably going to get hurt at some point. He's still their their best pass rusher. And Jason Smith was telling me he had a John Abraham Jets jersey when he was still in college. So that tells you how old that guy is. Jason Smith and, also told me that the Jets will not be affected by the Reeves injury, but go on. Yeah, well, that's a good point, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't trust Atlanta's ability to run the ball. Unless Jaquiz Rogers ends up being the real deal, if, you, if you're going to be mediocre running the football and you're not going to have a great pass rush, they lost Brent Grimes for the season. I know they're red hot right now, but... Depending on who they play, I, I really think they are a divisional playoff round exit. Well, it's something Rank and I have talked about quite a bit. You cannot mistake fantasy value for real value, and and you know Matt Ryan and company have yet to do anything once January rolls around. But uh, boy, I mean, they're they're hard to make an argument uh, argument against them at least winning the South. I mean, yeah, I think, and, and they should route. wind up with a good a good seed. Hey. They should be one of the top two seeds based on who they have to play. Sure, more power to you. you div- divisional playoffs, whatever. You know, look what happened a couple years ago when they went 12 and 4 and they hosted Green Bay and they got their butts handed yep. to them. Yep. Rank how say you who uh, of those 1 and 2 teams the traditional powers let's call. We it. can't talk about the Saints. Well, talk Can about we the, the Saints. Saints Any the, chance they, they turn it around? Do they still have that poster of Sean Payton up where it says do your job? Yes. Is that they should find a new <laughs> motivational poster. Like they should have a photo of him hanging from a tree branch that says hang in there baby. <laughs> like with the, the like cat? the cat. Yeah, like yeah. the cat one. But they seem they're going to be, be zero and four. They're going yes. to be they're going to be zero and four. They're in a lot of trouble. The thing about the Patriots that really bugs me is the arrogance of how they're one and two. Because Wes Welker, they obviously do. They have some problem with them that him and Bill Belichick are having the world's most passive aggressive breakup ever. And the arrogance of keeping them on the bench for whatever reason is all your receivers are getting hurt. Aaron Hernandez is hurt. Edelman gets hurt. They bring in Dion Branch. They bring in Kellen Winslow. It's like enough is enough. Is it? Is it so important to make a point to one guy who has meant so much to your team that you will be one and two? And to me, it's baffling. Well, they moved them back into the mix this week because they didn't really a have little choice. Bit. But and he responded. But Edelman, you know. Edelman, no, no, no. Edel, if you look at the plays, the way the plays broke down, Edelman was still out there. It's not like they put him back in there. It was like, fine, I guess you have to play at this point, so go out there. Right. And he goes out there and he's good. But why isn't he out there all the time? Because he can obviously do it. Eh, let's move on to the uh, to another three and O team. You talked about the Falcons uh, a second ago. The Houston Texans. I think everybody agrees that they're the best team three weeks into the season now. I mean, you know, you have the Arizona Cardinals at three and O, which is which is loco. I think that that's 
essentially a mirage. I think their defense is good, but I think the Niners will catch them. The Seahawks now fortunate to be a 2-1, and one, but they're legit. I mean, the Cardinals are not going to be some juggernaut that runs the table the rest of the way, obviously. Well, look at the points allowed, though. They've given up 40 points. The Seahawks have given the up 39. I agree. The defense is terrific. Listen, and they have a legit shutdown corner in Patrick Peterson now in, in his sophomore year. The Texans, what flaws do you see? You're breaking down the X's and O's. You lo- you're looking at the game film. What hope do teams that go up against the Texans have? That Ben Tate fumbles the ball when his job is to protect it and just get garbage fantasy points when they have a huge lead. So the backup running back is your best hope. Well, I tell you what, they had complete control. I watched that game in Denver closely. Denver, I I was literally writing at the time that Denver just can't match up with a team like the Texans. They're going to have, if they make the playoffs, if Denver makes it, they're going to have a horrible time there. Uh, when Ben Tate fumbled that ball, it allowed that, that team to get back in the game. If you really want to beat the Texans, I think your best thing to do is to take your second-best corner, put him on Andre Johnson, slide your safety over the top, and then put your best corner on whoever the Texans' second guy is just to completely take him out of the football game. That's how I would play it, and then I would, I'd bring my safety up into the box to help against the run. So have one safety. And, and let if, if anybody is going to beat you, fine. Make their tight end beat you. That's what I would do if I was playing the Texans. Second best corner on Andre Johnson. Put one of your safeties over the top. Put your best corner on the other receiver. Move your other safety up in the box to stop the run. And go ahead and put a linebacker on the opposing tight end. And if a team can Brent Selleck you to death, fine. I don't think anyone's going to be able to Brent Selleck Houston into the loss column. I know. Well, they, they suddenly do look really, really scary, and I, I thought that there were some uh, some possible problems for them with the losses that they had in the offseason. All right, let's st- stay in the in the football map here. You're okay. a Cowboys guy, but I want to talk about the Cowboys division foes, specifically the two meeting up uh, this weekend, Philly and the Giants. Sessler, you have a piece up on around uh, the league. I, I You know, we've talked about it. I love a rivalry, and I like a, re- a rivalry when the players on the two teams legitimately dislike each other. Shady McCoy, OCU Manure, don't like one another. What does this mean? Who's going to win this game? And so on. Look, I mean, one of the most ponderous Twitter feuds of the past couple years. I mean, I, I, I think this is a, a Shady McCoy venture at this point. OC's jump ship. He's on a team that's won two Super Bowls. He's pointed that out over and over. I mean, I don't think the Giants have a whole lot to... You know, listen, they're on top. That team looked fantastic last week. The Eagles, to me, you want to talk about a team that is not going to make the playoffs? The Eagles are my pick. They're not going to. They're not going to get it done. Do you this believe goes, this Andy Reid stuff is is for real? That Nick Foles is going to be if Mike <laughs> if Michael Vick doesn't play well against the Giants, is Nick Foles going to be in there for uh, for their next game? Yeah, because I think, I mean, personally, I think I like to see Vic actually last the season physically. But, I mean, Foles sparked that team in the preseason, and there's too much curiosity. If they can't get it going on offense, it's just the natural thing that happens over the course of a season. Fox Fox flashed up a crazy graphic about Vic uh, late in that game Sunday that he had been hit 20 times. And I, Greg Rosenthal and I from around the league were both talking on this the messengers. Like, have you ever seen that many hits on a quarterback? This is a guy that has durability issues. He's getting pounded in week three. He's going to be out of the picture yeah. within the next four to five weeks. That's There's no way around it. Just look at the track record. Rank, how say you? Going back to the LaShawn McCoy thing, it's always like the argument that you make about how Clevelanders think there's a rivalry with the Steelers, and it's dismissive. That's the way this is coming off with the Eagles and McCoy. It's like, yeah, it seems like you hate the Giants a lot. The Giants don't seem too concerned with you. No. 
Um, all right, what do you make of uh, of the Revis loss? There, we'll leave these uh, the the football giants. Let's talk about those Jets. Are they in fact done for? E. H. Elliott Harrison. Uh, I don't I don't like them right now. I'm sorry, Dan, but that, I just right. I don't see the Jets. They they were unimpressive against Miami. I mean, Miami did everything. You even tweeted out at one point that Miami's offense was doing everything they could to hand the Jets the game. Right. I, I think the Jets are what they were last year. I think they're an eight and eight football team. Hansus, do you think that uh, that Either the Jets. I mean, listen, they he is their best player, Revis. They're right. done for. And they do not have a good quarterback. They have two high-profile guys. Neither of them is any good. I think they're done. Do you think either, though, the Jets or the Bills have a chance of actually winning the East, or is this just a, a little blip that we'll look back and laugh at, laugh at that the Patriots were 1-2 and two at one point? I think uh, the Patriots uh, are a little vulnerable for sure right now, but at the end of the day, the Jets, let's face it, they're probably a 6-7 to seven win team at this point once you take Revis out of the equation. The Bills, all right, we, I mean, everybody's starting to get back on the Bills' bandwagon after Week 2 and 3, but I still remember them getting just waxed and looking terrible in Week 1. That guy, that Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's coming back. He always does. So neither of them. Sessler, how say you? Bills for real or no? You watched them beat up on your brownies uh, last week. Not sure that means much, but I think the no, Jets. The Jets caught Buffalo at a good time. They were lucky to play him when they did. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Buffalo is going to lose the next time they they play. Buffalo, I agree. It's such a hot cold team when they're good early in the year. Typically, fantastic, and they look like a playoff team. I I'm not going to rule against New England. Not this time. Rank, what gives with Bill Belichick this enduring reputation as a defensive guru when his teams are consistently lousy defensively? At some point, isn't it his responsibility that the defense is never good? Like, oh, Belichick still needs some more pieces. Oh, you've had six years now, fella. Add some pieces already. It seems like every draft they add two or three new guys to where you go, oh, how can this defense be stopped now? And they go out and they just can't execute and it's you always bring it up too about brian billick is the offensive guru and that he could never find a quarterback with the ravens yeah so at some point it has to there has to be a breaking point where either take over the defense and make it right or else let's give up the notion that you are this defensive guru eh address that why is belichick how does this continue that belichick what a what a wizard he is you can good luck good luck out coaching him except that Half of the team, the half that he is known for, defensive football, is lousy perennially. You know, it's like it's like when my best friend paints. Man, he only paints like when his you know girlfriend dumps him or something. He, he's a good painter when he's depressed, and he always tells me like the first one sucks. You know, you got to sharpen the saw. And these guys, you mentioned Brian Billick, you got you mentioned uh, Belichick. They're not in those meetings. Okay, they're not doing that every single day they're more of an administrator they're looking at their team globally i guess you could say you have to sharpen the saw belichick's not going to be the guy that he was in new england back in the 90s or the giants in the 80s as a defensive coordinator unless he's in the meetings from the beginning of otas all the way through training camp and he's breaking down film as a defensive coordinator he's a head coach that's not his job so I don't think he should be no, labeled. No, well, I, I hear you in theory. That sounds good, except that there are coaches who also handle the OC duties. It's a little different, but even the guys that are play callers, they generally have an offensive coordinator or an assistant coach that helps them with, with actually running the meetings, looking at the film. They're rarely are they the offensive coordinator and the play caller. And the head coach. Who's the second best team? Look at in the Packers. The, who's the second best team in the AFC? Obviously, the Texans are one. Patriots or Ravens are probably the only two teams you could even try to make a case for. 
Ravens scary. I I think mm. the Ravens are kind of catching this emotional wave that I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. Hand Zeus? Uh, you know what? I want to say the Ravens, but at the same time, they, they seem to be uh, missing Terrell Suggs a lot. Which yes, you, they are. Which you wouldn't... You wouldn't think would be something worth talking about, but a lot of people seem to overlook that heading into the season. Like, they were just going to still be a great defensive team, but they don't have any pass rush uh, for the most part. I mean, Brady had all day uh, on but Sunday night. When when they needed to move the ball down the field, though, Flacco made it look very easy. Oh, made right. it, I mean, so it was different from was last on season. the money. Rank, I did like you. that the Browns fans said, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. <laughs> he's he's got to be concerned about it. Right. Big concern. I got great news for oh. you, Sessler. You're not going to see him in the playoffs. Not, not a problem. Again, speaking globally. Speaking globally. Who's better, Patriots or Ravens, Rank? Whew, right now, got to be the Ravens because they seem to be able to get up for the big games. Watch them stumble this week against those very same Browns that Sessler was talking about. I still think the Patriots are going to come on. I think they're at some point they're going to put it together. That's the team. Aaron Hernandez gets healthy. The defense, good enough. I think they get it. Let me say this. I think that the Patriots, for all their flaws, and I think they're legitimate flaws, I think the offensive line, Willie McGinnis said that before the season. He has so far at least uh, looked like a smart guy for knowing that that left side of that Patriots line was shoddy, and Tom Brady is definitely not a guy who can handle that sort of pressure. Ravens look good. Texans look mighty. And after that is a you know the whole West is yeah. a, is a, who knows with any of those teams. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, maybe, but they've had some legitimate injuries now that that uh, make uh, you know if they ha- wouldn't have had all those injuries, I think that they'd be very quietly a team that has a chance of stealing the North if they beat the Ravens when they roll through there. But so the Texans are the clear cut team there. NFC that ha- the the conference that has. Way more good teams in it. Who's the best team in that? Atlanta, EH just debunks them. And I hard to argue against them, though, as sitting there 3 0. It's not the Cardinals. Is it the Niners? Why, wait, why is it not the Cardinals? Because Kevin Cobb oh, and on. or John Skelton is their quarterback. But you're talking to a guy who saw Dieter Brock lead his team oh, to an NFC Championship game. Well I am not going to say that a guy like Kevin Cobb or John Skelton can't get this team to the Super Bowl if the defense is good enough. And if you even want to go back to more recent history. It is history. 2012, right? Okay, that doesn't back, work anymore. Go back to Rex Grossman led the Bears to a Super Bowl. All right. I have you want to no, go back. I Eli, have no Manning, retort. Eli Manning's led to team to two Super Bowls. It shows if the defense is good enough, and you always like to say this, if you have a front four that can create pressure, which the Cardinals can, it makes your defense so much better. You're dismissing them far too quickly. That that win over New England will stop looking like a fluke as they start playing better. The Cardinals are legit. All right, we've already surpassed the half hour mark. We'll wrap it up in a second here, but I do want everybody's answer here as we as we near week four. EH best team in the NFC, San Francisco, the Forty ers All right, that was so that was just a weird bump in the road. In Minnesota, the team that I declared before the season started as the worst in the NFL. I still think they're going to – I mean, listen, they're 2-1 and one now, but I bet you they still don't win more than four or five hey, games. Hey, Baltimore came within a, a Cundiff miss and a Lee Evans drop from making the Super Bowl last year, and Baltimore lost to Seattle. They lost to Jacksonville during the regular season. They mm-hmm. lost to Tennessee during the regular season last year. Every team in the league has a mulligan. Mm-hmm. True enough. Hanzoos, best team in the NFC. Giants. The Giants. Yeah, let's, everybody's sleeping on the Giants as usual, but I think they're, as long as they don't go into one of those giant funks where they're going to need help in the back end to make the playoffs, 
I really I think they're going to be right in the mix, and they're not afraid to play the 49ers. I'd love to see a rematch. Wow. Desi Bryant already. They're, you know, who knows? He's, oh, it's overblown what happened on the sidelines, the yelling and the ranting and the raving. But that's, that's a, an omen of uh, bad things that we've already seen there. If the Giants win in Philly this week, then we know that the wheels are going to be off there. Andy Reid throws it out. I don't know. He's Mike Vick's our quarterback for now, but we'll see. They lose that game, and they put Nick Foles in there. They, the, the wheels are off in Philly. The Redskins are fine, but with those defensive injuries, RG3 is merely going to be a nice story. They're not going to be a real threat in that division. Yeah, the Giants are, uh, are, are a savvy pick there, Hans Zeus. How say you, Sessler? Picked the Niners before the season got going, and I, I think they have the best coach in football. I, listen, I, I agree with Elliot. Every team's going to drop a game here and there in today's NFL. Sure. Going with the 49ers. Man, yeah, I, I, that's a tough uh, call to make there. I'm going to stick with the Packers just to validate my own preseason opinion. I said Texans versus uh, Packers. I, You know, the Packers' defense is <laughs> quietly looking a little bit better. I mean, they should be 2-1 and one right now. Rank, you're saying the Cardinals? Is that your answer? I like that Black Tie just walked into the other side of the room, <laughs> already waving to wrap it up. He doesn't know. Black Tie, we're not wearing know. a tie today. Oh, Rank, answer man, your question. The Arizona Cardinals, if the playoffs started well, today, if the playoffs started today, they would be your NFC West champions. Oh, wait. I got news for you. Good- I, okay, I got news go for you. For They're not starting the playoffs today. What? They're going to play out the, no, yeah. the, the You don't remaining. know that. We <laughs> yeah, don't know. There's been a lot of crazy things going on. You don't know. But <laughs> look, true. out of their last, what is it? Uh, eight of their last, they've won eight out of their last nine games. They finished strong. This isn't a fluke. That defense is They've won 10 of 12. 10 of 12. Yeah. Can I tell you something real quick? And then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for uh, for black and white tie. And they're throwing the yellow flags. I'm telling you one thing. Those black jerseys on the Cardinals are not good. I, I saw, I, no, I no, saw no. Rank and Elliot tweeting about it this week. Hey, those are pretty good. First yeah, of all, asked. who asked Who uh, asked any of you what your opinion is? I'm the uniform <laughs> monitor. You're not, and you're both wrong, and yeah. this is why I'm the uniform. And if you uh, say another word, you're going to feel the sting of the blaster. You don't have you the are wrong. Joke! Why are you, you, are why are you mouthing off? To, they're not good. They should no, wear red jerseys. I tweeted out, what do you guys think? And you didn't respond. But, by, did saying, I, I but said, by asking the question, you are suggesting I like them. I said that I like the Pat Tillman era jerseys the best. Yes. That's not Cleaner, a bad look. Cleaner, no lines, but that's not none a bad of the nonsense. Hey, in this league, if you play good defense. <laughs> in the National Football League, when you wear a black jersey like that. Hey, that kind of stuff nice. doesn't work in this league. <laughs> In the UFL, maybe, but not in this league. Can we get Can we get Elliot's painter friend on the line just to see how he's doing? <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear. Let's him. go bum him out. <laughs> see if he's been in a tough spot. All right, we'll wrap time. it up. We just had to do an emergency podcast. If he the, hung out the, with Black Tie enough, he'd be the best painter ever. The sports world, the sport, huh? He'd be amazing. We yeah. got to wrap it up, fellas. Black Tie is a busy man. He doesn't have any more time for our hooey and applesauce. But uh, but quickly, yeah, we had to respond. This is the uh, the big story in sports right now, so we had to get in here and spin at our regularly appointed time. We'll be back later in the week. We're gonna, I think we're gonna talk. We already talked to AJ Hawk to pull the curtain back. This was before though the Seahawks game, so we'll have that for you. Also, we're working on Percy Harvin. We'll hear what uh, a man named Percy thinks about those Vikings. Quickly, two items that we must uh, address. Episode ninety four. We mm-hmm. honor the player who wore the number best. Lawrence Timmons of the Steelers was no. 94. No. Charles Haley. Charles Haley. The best player possibly not in the Hall of Fame. Any other Who's 94s eligible? that we're thinking of? That, uh, who am I forgetting? Marcus Ware. 
The Marcus Ware is 94. Would you stop? Ware over Haley? No, I'm I just saying I, we got to mention like, him, but I'll take Haley. Okay. You take Haley, Haley oh. over Ware? I'm now. taking Ware. Ware's going to be in the hall in eight years. Yes, so. he definitely Haley's should gotta, be in the hall. Well, so is Haley's got to be in the hall. Sessler, break Haley. the tie. Haley. So it's Haley. All right, that's it. And he, Black, was, he was the reason. I know uh, Elliot and I talked about this the last time when you were out. He was the reason in 92 the Cowboys went on to win that first Super Bowl. Because, and it, I don't know if this is an urban legend, but the 49ers had a deal with the Vikings worked out for Haley. But then they said, you know, no, no. Seifert said, I want to send him to the Cowboys because I feel like the, the, the Vikings are too close to winning a Super Bowl. All right. So that's that. So we give it to Charles Haley. 94 it is. And, Wait, uh, can I say one more thing? No, you cannot. Can we get a shout out? No, that's what I was going to say. I, I want to let you know, Adam Rank, at Adam Rank, look for his pick six and beyond there. Also on NFL Fantasy Live, that's also where you see Elliot Harrison. You find him at Elliot Harrison underscore NFL. No. What's your hokey thing? <laughs> it's at Harrison underscore NFL. We, we've we've spoken out against the underscore. Well, what do you yet? want it to be? <laughs> nice not job. an underscore. And, not, and you don't need the validation of the NFL behind your name. Just be you, man. That's got to be enough. Damashek. I think at Elliot Harrison, some kid in Finland. At Damashek. At Damashek. That's it. Associated with the NFL. The NFL is associated with me. <laughs> at Dan Hanzus. At Mark Sessler. NFL. Hence the reason that he is uh, Mr. Fancy Pants. And lastly. Oh, and then also we got the shame report up there for you. A brand new NFL. What if the '85 Bears had played the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Not the—I mean, had played the uh, had played the Dolphins, not the Patriots. It's a dandy one, of course, around the league to look for. Last thing, black tie. Pick your head up. Stop acting so disgusted. I know you're busy. We had to do it. Now give a shout out to somebody. No shout outs this week. I got give a shout out. Got a lot of heat last week for DMV workers. People did not like that. Why? They don't I like mean, you, anyways. Anyway. But um, no shout out this week. But if I was gonna give a shout out, I might give a shout out to Black Tie because <laughs> trying to wrap you guys up is not an easy job. Let's put it that way. It is one of the worst jobs and in I, America. And Black Tie got an award for being Black Tie, by the way. So put take that, that up there. I want I fly a Black Tie. He did at the NFL uh, internally. He was awarded for his uh, podcasting uh, production work, which is uh, which is great. Because well, here we have that, I well thought, deserved. I thought they were black tie, but they gave him a bobblehead. So I want a picture of that on the. Uh, I thought they were giving it to my tie, who is Rich Eisen's producer, and they're like, oh, I guess we might as well give one to Black Tie too. Yeah, this would be just embarrassing. So, just so we don't look yeah. bad. Yeah, so they gave it to Black Tie. Listen, put the picture of the bobblehead there <laughs> at uh, NFL.com. Make <laughs> such a hater. <laughs> NFL.com slash check S H E K E H. Thanks, ATL boys. Oh. <laughs> Little programming note. Programming note. The debut of the debate, Sessler and Hanzus, which we've been doing here on this program, is de- is now its own show. Like we talked about, we will debut it on this podcast later in the week. So be on the lookout for that episode number ninety-five. In the meantime, though, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.